Hey, this is Pastor Stephen from The Vine in Chapel Hill. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Our prayer is that regardless of where you are right now, the God of this universe would speak specifically to your heart through this message in Jesus' name. For more information about our church, mission, or to give online towards this ministry, go to thevinechurch.com. I'm going to start off by reading, we're in Mark 16:15. It's when um, Jesus was, uh, when the Lord came back, he was resurrected, and he's talking to 11 disciples. And he says, and then he told them, go into the world and preach new news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned, and his miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and they will drink anything po- if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into the heaven and sat down in place of honor into God's right hand. And the disciples went out everywhere, and they preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by giving the signs. Um, discipleship is really big to me. Um, I love it. Um, back in 2014, um, I was on Eagle Villa Fire Department. And um, as a firefighter, there's a convention called FDIC. It's the world's largest fire convention um, out there. I mean, firefighters from Australia, uh, everywhere, they come to this um, big convention in Minneapolis. And uh, it was kind of like a bucket list kind of thing for me to go to. Um, free classes, all you, can, you know, thousands of free classes, hands-on stuff. And uh, we got word that the first year that our fire department got um, a grant for four firefighters to go to this convention. And I was like, oh, man. You know, that's, that's going to be me. You know, that's, that's definitely me. I've been on this fire department for years now. You know, you know, the chief is going to pick me to go to this thing. And, um, and so I worked super hard. I was out there polishing the truck every night. I mean, when it was cold, I would still be out there washing the truck and uh, spit-shining the wheels, making sure they're all shining and stuff like that, and uh, cleaning up, taking out the trash at the fire department, and pulling my hours. I was pulling so many hours at the fire department, trying to get to this, this convention. And um, the chief came out. And he said, I'm going to announce in a couple months who I'm going to take with me to Indianapolis to FDIC. And uh, so me and a couple other firefighters, we got together and we're just like, like I said, we're just super pulling our hours and we're working so hard. And um, that time came. And uh, he posted a list on the wall. And I remember walking up to it and my name wasn't on it. I was like, hmm, you know. And uh, ooh, I'm going to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when you work something, you work for something so hard like that, it just tears you up. And, uh, give me a second, I'll get, I promise you, I'll get through this. I mean, <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and our chaplain was picked to go. 
And um, I was super proud, you know, that he got picked to go because he worked so hard and he was getting up there in age and he needed to go to this uh, event. And uh, I got home and I told Sarah, I said, uh, I didn't get picked. And um, she said, maybe it's not meant to be. I was like, yeah, maybe not. Mm. So I sat down and prayed about it outside. And um, the next day, I got a phone call from my chief. I didn't want to hear anything from him. I said, if it's you, I'm not going to answer your phone call. I'm done with you. You know? So I did not answer his phone call. 20 minutes before everyone went by, he called me again, and I just ignored it again. It sat on the counter, I think, and it rang, and it rang, and it rang. And uh, he called me again, and finally answered the phone. He said, hey, he goes, he goes, uh, you're not going to believe it, but, you know, our chaplain backed out of it. He said, I want you to go to FDIC. Ooh, man. I was so excited. I started jumping up, and then, but then I remembered, I'm like, Sarah's about to pop any time now. And I'm about to go out to Indianapolis. You know, that's crazy. Sarah, when she was um, actually due in the beginning of May with Selena. And, uh, and this event was going on at the end of April. And uh, I don't know, so I called him back and I said, I don't know if I can do it, man. I said, I'm not going to miss the birth of my daughter, my only daughter. You know, I'm not going to miss that. There's no way. And, uh, and he goes, no. He goes, tell her to run emergency all the way from Indianapolis to Nashville with lights on and sirens on if she goes into labor. We'll get you there, man. And so I told Sarah, and I, I went to her and I was like, it's kind of like a bucket list kind of thing, you know? And she's like, yeah, you need to go. So uh, I was all excited, packed my bags up. I seriously had like two days to get ready for this thing. Um, super stoked about it. And uh, we got there. And man, there are so many people there. I've never seen so many firefighters in one little town. I mean, right there. And in our packets, it said, do not go out of the city limits. Do not talk to the homeless. Do not talk to, you know, strangers on the street. If you're a firefighter, all they want is your money, you know, and don't, they just don't talk to them. Do not go down. It had a list of streets that you're not supposed to go down and stuff. And it was definitely something new for me um, because I can walk around Nashville and, be all right. But um, when we got there, it was a very impressive place. And, um, and uh, we started taking our classes and stuff like that. And I met a bunch of really cool people. And we did a, a, a contest, not contest, like a, it was a firefighter combat challenge. And that night, we were supposed to go and to this big old dinner and get an award ceremony. Um, even though we didn't place in it, um, we're supposed to go to this award ceremony and just be there and have fun. And they're having like live bands and everything like that. And um, so I was all excited. I got dressed up, you know, and ready to go out too with my with my brothers and uh, go enjoy this this party and whatnot. And I started walking with them down the street. It was a good like half mile down the street to the Lucas Oil Stadium. And um, and I t I was like. Oh, man, I don't have my phone. You know, I got to have my phone because Sarah. And so I told him, I said, just go on. Go go on, and I'll meet back up with you guys. So I turned around, and I walked, kept on walking. 
And there was these two guys. And uh, I was just like, man, these guys. I'm, I have a fear of homeless people for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. And um, it's just, I don't know. Some, I come from California, so maybe I get it from that because some are really dangerous, you know, and stuff like that. But um, I have a fear of them. And uh, so I walked all the way around the street to go around these guys. So I could see them off in a distance. And I was just like, no, I'm not going there. And so I walked around. I go back to the hotel, and I get my phone, and I start walking down the street again, you know, because I'm not going to go see these guys. Well, I got stopped and stopped on the road. Just I had stopped walking for some reason. And I heard the Lord say, turn around. Just turn around. And I was like, no. <laughs> There's easier way to get to the Lucas Oil Stand right there. I can see it. I'm not turning around. I'm almost there. I'm not turning around. And he goes, no, turn around. I said, I'm going to be with my brothers, though. They're right there. You know what I mean? And I felt like he said, no, you're about to meet new brothers. And I was like, whoa. Okay. You know. So I, I did not listen at first. I started taking more steps. And I stopped again. And I said, Lord, just let me go, man. This, this, food, this food, free food. I didn't have to pay for anything. And he said, no, didn't I pay for something for you? And I was like, okay. Yeah. So I did. I turned around. And I went back. And I went down the street, and I was like, I looked at the street name. I forget what it was now, but it was on the list of not to go down. And I sat there at this street corner. I was like, oh, man. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble. If my chief sees me over here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be never go anywhere with these guys again, you know. And uh, next thing you know, it, I hear this noise. And I looked over, and the homeless guys were sitting there, the two guys. And so I walked up to them, and, uh, and they're like, man, you're a firefighter, aren't you? I said, yeah. I said, I'm in full uniform, you know? <laughs> and uh, they go, they go, uh, they go, uh, well, we're fi- you're a firefighter, so you got money. I said, no, actually, I don't have money, because I'm a volunteer firefighter. I'm not a paid <laughs> firefighter. And um, I said, but, I said, let me, let me show you a little something else. And uh, I said, but first, I'm going to go right here across the street to the Steak and Shake. There was a Steak and Shake, like, built into the corner of the street. It was so weird. It's the weirdest Steak and Shake ever. And I said, I'm going to go buy you some food, and I'll be right back. And so I went and bought them all Happy Meals. And, um, and when I got back to the corner, they were sitting there waiting. And um, you can smell the alcohol off them, you know. And uh, I didn't care at that moment, though. I got so mindset on on the Lord, what he was telling me, and I was like, there's a purpose for me to be right here, and, um, and so I handed out their meals, and they're like, come into our living room, I'm like, living room, and it, they seriously had a carpet laid out, and milk, ju- milk cartons, and they're sitting there, and they said, here, this one's for you, and they gave me the best looking one, the cleanest one, you know, and they were sitting there eating, I mean, they were scarfing down, and I knew the Lord was with me, but I needed a sign, I said, I said, Lord, give me a sign, you know, that these guys are actually listening to me. And this is them, by the way. Um, the black guy, his name is Jason, and the white guy's name is David. And um, they're, like, just sitting there chilling down. And I was teaching, I was trying to teach them, you know, and talk to them. And nothing was getting through to them, I felt like. 
And then I started talking about miracles that I've done in my life. About me um, being dead when I was born, come back to life. Um, just different miracles that happened. And David, the white guy, he stopped eating. And he puts down his drink. And he looks at me, he's just waterworks. Man, waterworks. <laughs> And he goes, he gives me the biggest hug ever. And doesn't let go. And he's just sitting there bawling. And I just started praying for him. And he didn't believe in our father. And he didn't have a father either. And I said, bro. I said, you got a father waiting for you, man. I said, you do have a father. And Jason, he believed... But his parents had passed away, and he went into deep depression, and he got hung, he got strung out on drugs, and he lost everything he had. And uh, so I started praying with them both. And Jason, he reaches out and just starts laying his hand on David, and I stopped, and I was just like, man, he believes, you know? But I worked really hard on David for some reason. The Lord kept on saying, work on him, work on him. Every time I go to finish prayer, nope, back at it. I ended up praying for him for three hours. I looked at my watch, and it was three hours long. And they said, they said, you're our brothers. You're my brother now. You're, you're one of us. He said, our bond is so tight that we travel around these streets together for protection. He said, we wouldn't leave each other's sight. And when we go to the bathroom, we go to the bathroom together. He said, he said we don't separate. And he said, now you're one of us. You're our, one of our protectors. And uh, that meant a lot to me. And in firefighting, we get these badges. I only got four. I only handed out one, and I went to David. Mm-hmm. I wrote my, my number on the back of it, my badge number, because I didn't want him to know my name. You know, I don't know. Seriously, I don't know him personally. So I wrote my badge number in the back of it so he just remembered, you know. And uh, and so I, I kept on talking to him, and the next morning I went home. I went back to the hotel, and my firefighters were like, dude, where were you, man? You missed the whole thing. Where were you? And we're about to, you know, send out more firefighters to go find you, you know. And I was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about where I was. And, uh, who found me, who got this picture, was actually a Franklin firefighter that I know. And um, he walked by me as I was finishing. And uh, I asked him if he could snap the picture for me. But um, so the next morning I woke up. And I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to go talk to my brothers one more time. You know, they said that they'll be there. And uh, so I went to Einstein Bagel. And I got them bagels. And uh, I walked back to the corner. And they weren't there. This was Sunday morning. They weren't there. We were leaving in like two hours. So I walked down just a couple more blocks to see. Maybe they just moved, you know, down the road. And they weren't there. I was like, okay, well, at least I got to, to preach to them a little bit and talk to them. And uh, we got, I got in the car and went home. And uh, they're, they're, I couldn't look at that picture on my phone. And I just kept praying for them as we're going down the road and stuff like that. And um, a couple months went by. 
And I actually ended up having to leave Eagle Fire Department because we moved out here, and it was too far to respond. And, uh, and uh, I was going through some hard times uh, with finances and stuff like that. And I was just really talking to the Lord at that moment. And uh, I get a phone call from my chief again. And I was like, again, something negative from him. You know, I don't want to hear it. So I, hung, I, I missed his call. And there, this is a full year later. They're actually at FDIC when he calls me. He calls me again, and uh, I answer it. I said, yes, sir. He goes, he goes, dude, we were just at Steak and Shake, and um, he said there was a worker in there, and they, he pulled out a badge. He seen our badge, and he pulled it out, and he said, um, it has your badge number on the back of it. I said, oh, yeah? I said, what color was he? He goes, <laughs> he goes, black guy. I said, what's his name, Jason? And he goes, yeah, man, his name was Jason. Did you really hand out one of our honor badges to him? A homeless guy? I said, yeah, dude. And uh, I said, did he say anything? He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, he said something. And uh, he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, they got in church. And he goes, he goes, um, he goes, they, were, they went to church that Sunday morning. I suppose be after you talked to them. And I was like, that explains why I couldn't find them. Because they were at church. And he goes, he also said that he wanted you to know that they both are saved. And David had been passing away two days later. <laughs> Dave got hit by a truck. Two nights later. Mm. We may not like where God puts us sometimes, but man, he puts us there for a reason. And uh, I definitely walked in territory that I was definitely not used to. Some dark streets, let me tell you what, there were some dark people. Walking around those streets. <laughs> As I was sitting there talking to them, I mean, I remember people just like, gangs are sure gangsters walking by and just like staring, you know. But I kept on doing what God, what the Lord told me to do, you know. And I was protected, man. And I believe that these guys would protect me if someone came, came behind me. Uh, because they were so, they got the word, man. And that night, like I said, he just started pouring out. And I mean, I could see him changing, his life changing right before me. He took a box, and he, I was buggy, and he opened it up and showed me. He goes, man, I'm about to change my life. He opened it up, nothing but alcohol bottles. I mean, straight up alcohol. He goes, he goes it's time to change our life. And Jason goes, yeah. And he took it and threw it in a dumpster across the street. He came back and, and finished his meal, you know, that night. But... Man, two nights later, God put me there to, to save him. Mm-hmm. But what I got out of that is, you know, some of us say, I want to hear God, but I can't hear God. But when he asks, what is disrupting our hearing? What is disrupting our hearing? 
I named the title of the sermon, um, Can You Hear Me Now? Because what I got out of my testimony here is if I wouldn't have listened and I could have done walking, David would have never seen, you know, never knew his father. He'd just been a lost soul. So, all of us here have cell phones. The phrase that is mostly used on a cell phone is, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Um, when we can't hear the other person, we try every single way to try to get a signal. You know? And if we can't still hear the person, we're in a dead zone, and we're at someone's house, we ask for a Wi-Fi password. You know, because because what is on your phone is more important, so important, you go and seek out better connection till you get it. And uh, but we gotta realize, we gotta ask ourselves: Are we more concerned about our self service or our soul service? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because we're so worried about calling AT and T, T Mobile, and Verizon and trying to fix our self service. But we haven't even fixed our connection with our father. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, you need to ask yourself, what is, the rest of, what is um, breaking up your connection or who is breaking up your connection? Because sometimes we got toxic people in our life that we need to just cut out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to definitely ruin your connection. But um, there's a thing called the total effect. I was kind of, it, it sounds funny, but you guys need to just, just hang out with me for a minute, all right? Because it gets pretty wild, all right? Um, I kind of, I started watching Francis Chan a little bit, and he just mentions just a little bit of it, and um, it really spoke to me. And, um, but uh, so we're sitting on the edge of the toilet, it sounds weird, I know. We're still on the edge of the toilet with Jesus, our Lord. But, but, you know, sometimes, you know, if you go to a party or something like that and you, you accept, like, a certain drug, you're going to put your foot in that water. That water is in there swirling. It's a lazy river of sin. Or maybe you look at pornography and you're like, no, that's not going to ruin my family. That's not going to ruin my family. But you go ahead and you put your foot in that lazy river of sin. And now you're swirling around like this. Or maybe you're on Facebook and you start writing something because they're showing just a little more attention to you than your husband or wife and you're caught in that sin now. And because in your head, your sinner's saying, no, this is not going to get me in trouble. This is not going to get me in trouble. And God is sitting there trying to talk to you, saying, can you hear me? How about now? Can you hear me now? And you're so caught up in this sin, in this swirl, that you can't even hear what your father's telling you. And as it just rolls, you're getting deeper and deeper into that sin. But then we get convicted. Someone comes along, maybe you accidentally turn on Way FM, or you, you know, listen to a pastor on, on YouTube or something, and it hits you hard. They have now flushed the toilet. When we start repenting, our lives come, come, start coming clean. As the toilet rolls with new water, think of it as your life. Alright, new, new life comes into you, like new water comes into a toilet. So, we need to start fixing our connection with God by bringing new life. Start, start repenting, start reconnecting, and you'll be able to hear Him.
Also, some of us have been hearing, but haven't been doing. And uh, I think that's a lot of us. Like me, I heard I heard what the Lord told me to do, which direction He wanted me to go to at first, but I wasn't going to go there. I didn't want to do what He wanted me to do. And that reminds me of uh, my one of my favorite Bible stories, and it was Jonah. And see, Jonah, he was told by the Lord to go to Nineveh and preach and tell them, you know, of the judgment. But he didn't want to. He heard God, but he went to Joppa and paid his own, out of his own pocket a fare to get on the boat, to run away from the Lord, what the Lord was telling him to do. And, uh, and so, uh, but I definitely see myself in that story. Stephen kind of challenged me to decipher what I can get out of my testimony. And it was definitely that I was almost like Jonah. I was almost in that whale's belly. I was almost there. And uh, when Jonah started praying and repenting, the Lord demanded that the whale spit him out onto the beach and gave him a second try. He gave him a second chance. And he said, now go preach to them. Now go tell them. And when he, Jonah listened, he ended up saying Nineveh. He did not put a, you know, a wrath on Nineveh then. And that's like me. I feel like when I started praying to God that night, you know, and saying sorry, because when I turned around, I was like, yes, Lord. You did pay for something and with me. You know, and I was praying the whole time when I walked up to, to my two brothers there. I walked up to them the whole time. I was praying, though, give me strength. Give me strength. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry that I was not listening to you at first. It paid off. It paid off in a big way. So, um, I want to challenge everyone to... To take time and unplug. In your prayer, ask more of what do you want me to hear today instead of requesting. Because most of the time we request more than anything in prayer. It's more of like a requesting time. We need to start asking, what do you want me to hear today? What do you want me to do? So we got to have more more obedience and listen. So, but, um, so during a... I'm going to ask Stephen to come back up and just pray, uh, not pray, but uh, do a little bit of worship. And during that, I want you to ask the Lord, um, what do you want me to hear in this? And if you can't hear God, um, I'm sure there's someone here that can pray with you to help you, you know, fix your connection. Because it's very important that we fix our connection and start laying our eyes more on Him and believing in Him. Because He's going to lead us the right way if we start listening. And even though if he puts you in a direction that you're not comfortable with, that, you know, or you're scared of, just trust him. Because it's going to pay off in the end. There's definitely a payoff in the end.